0: Good morning church family, and happy happy Sunday, and also happy Valentine's Day. Love and blessings to you all. I also want to remind you to join us this uh, Wednesday, the 17th, for uh, an all- church prayer night on Zoom hosted by Pastor Joey. If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 6 through 16 is today's text. Again, that's 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 6 through 16. We're now in part six of our series undivided. Now before we dive into the text, I want to do a quick review from last week's text, which was verses 1 through 5 of chapter 2, and the focus of the text was on the central message, Jesus Christ crucified, and that was the center of Paul's preaching. And he didn't preach Christ the great teacher, or Christ the supreme example, or Christ the martyr, or Christ the ideal man, or Christ the great humanitarian, or Christ the prophet. He preached Christ crucified. And friends, Paul never strayed from his basic message. And you see, the cross says all of man's wisdom, all of man's philosophy, all of man's reasoning, all of man's good works, all of his achievements cannot bring salvation to him. And Paul didn't care what people thought about him as long as they heard the message of Jesus Christ crucified. Now, we know that Paul wasn't an eloquent speaker, nor was he much to look at. He was short had a unibrow, a large hook nose, um, was bald-headed, and also was bow-legged. And remember what his opponent said of him in Second Corinthians ten, ten. It says this: His letters are weighty and his and me, weighty and forceful, but in person he is unimpressive, and his speaking amounts to nothing. So so Paul didn't have it all together, but what he did have was the gospel that gave him the greatest message of all time. He had a message, the message of the power of God, and he preached that message in the power of the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 4 with me. My message, Paul says, and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration, listen now, of the Spirit's power. And I love the fact that Paul didn't resort to gimmicks to try to win the Corinthians to Jesus Christ. He didn't impress them with big words. He just preached. He just preached. His preaching was a demonstration of the Holy Spirit's power, not performance. Now look at verse 5. So that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. So Paul rejoiced and assured the Corinthians and all believers that their faith, that their salvation didn't rest in the wisdom of men. And you see, friends, Paul didn't ask them to to place their faith in man. Rather, he pointed them to the risen Christ. And through the power of God, they received salvation. And you see, Paul's goal in life wasn't to get people to trust in him, but to trust in God. Look at the end of verse 5 again, the end of verse 5. But on God's power. Well, what's the power of God? Well, the power of God is seen in the cross. Back to chapter 1, chapter 1. Uh, Verse 18 says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. Chapter 1, verses 23 and 24. Chapter 1, verses 23 and 24 says, We preach Christ crucified to Jews a stumbling block and to the Gentiles foolishness, but to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. Of God. So the crucifixion of Jesus Christ is the ultimate manifestation of the power of God. Because it was there, friends, that sin was conquered. It was there that Satan was defeated. And it was there that our redemption was obtained. So this now brings us to today's text. And the title of today's message is God's Secret Wisdom. Everyone say that, God's Secret Wisdom. Now, here in the text, Paul is writing to the Corinthians to us about the fact that human wisdom, human philosophy, human reasoning is in no way connected with our amazing salvation in Christ. Now, up to this point, some people might think that Paul had no use for human wisdom, that he rejected any application of human wisdom. Listen, what Paul rejected... Was human wisdom, human philosophy, human reasoning, which attempts to answer spiritual questions apart from the Spirit of God. Now, remember what Paul said back in verses one, verse four, and five of this chapter. He says, when I came to you, my brothers, I did not come with eloquence or superior, in other words, human wisdom, as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. Verse 4, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. Verse 5, so that your faith might not rest on man's wisdom, but on God's power. So right there, Paul tells us that he doesn't believe in the necessity of human wisdom when it comes to God to salvation, and to spiritual matters. And here in the text, Paul makes it very clear that it's not human wisdom, not human philosophy, not human reasoning. Rather, it's God's secret wisdom, the only true wisdom, the highest of all wisdom, only to be understood in, in the spiritual realm. And you see, the gospel doesn't need the addition of human wisdom, philosophy, and reasoning. Listen, God doesn't say that. God doesn't need man's reason or man's innovation. Can I get an amen? So, three points from the text today. If you're ready, say yes. Come on, someone say yes. Point number one is this the wisdom of God. Write that down. The wisdom of God. The wisdom of God. Look at verse 6a. Verse 6a. Paul writes, We do, now the we. Uh, probably refers to the apostles who were given divine revelation from God. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom. Now, I want to stop it because this is a wisdom which comes from God, not man. Got it? We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature. Now, the King James Bible refers to that word as perfect. It renders it as perfect. Uh, The word perfect in the Greek is the word teleos, which means mature or full grown. Got it? So here Paul is speaking of a full-grown believer, uh, the mature believer, mature in their faith, who is growing in their understanding of God's word. In other words, they're settled, they're settled, say settled, on what they believe. Now, now, I want you to understand some. Paul's statement about wisdom being grasped by the mature believer was a, a subtle slam at some of the Corinthian believers of whom he speaks of uh, in chapter 3, verse 1. We'll look at that next week, but look at verse... Look at verse uh, 1 of of chapter 3 real quick here. He writes, Brothers, I could not address you as spiritual, but as worldly, mere infants in Christ. You see, as babes, they were exalting leaders and were impressed with human wisdom, which caused division in the church. They were also running their individual lives and their church on human wisdom, this indicating that they were babes in Christ who who never, never grew up. Verse 6b, but this, me, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. I'm going to read that again, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. Let's, let's read the whole text here. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among mature, Right? but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. So Paul makes it clear that there is a significant difference in the wisdom of God concerning the gospel and the wisdom of this world, right? Let's look at the text again. He says the wisdom of this age. So this is referring to human reasoning or human philosophy. And you see the world has, has one basic philosophy uh, with, um, with, with man at the center, And it takes many forms, such as Eastern mysticism or humanism, New Age or self-help. It's always man-centered, always man-centered. Even the religions of the world, Mohammedanism and Confucianism and Hinduism are man-centered because what they do is they teach man must do something to get to God, to have favor with God, to, to be saved. Listen, every plan of salvation that's devised by man is a plan based on works. Got it? Is a plan based on work. In, in contrast, Christianity is based on grace. Someone say grace. And what that means that God, listen, God gives forgiveness on the basis of what Christ has done for us, not what we have done, but what we can do. Now, if you're saved, say amen. Listen, our forgiveness and acceptance before God is not based on human works, but on God's grace. And you see, other religions are based on a a two-letter word, D-O, do. Christianity is based on a four-letter word, D-O-N-E, done. It's what Christ has done on the cross for us. Look at the the text again. The rulers of this age. Now, this means more than just the unsaved rulers or officials of Paul's day, like the Jews and the Romans, but it expands to the, the leaders of thought, the, the shapers of, of, of public opinion, the philosophers, sociologists, the, the politicians of any day. And you see, these, these brilliant minds, brilliant minds, know nothing of God's wisdom. No, no psychologist and, and no psychiatrist who's not instructed from the word of God knows anything about this divine wisdom. So question, what does Paul say about the wisdom of this age and the rulers of this age? Well, look at the text. He says, who are coming to nothing. They are headed nowhere, friends. This this wisdom, or their wisdom, should I say, is ineffective. It's, It's empty. Let's go back to chapter 1, verses 18 through 19 again. He says, for the message, Paul says, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent, I will frustrate. You see, the wisdom of this world won't last. It's it's not going to last. It will prove unreliable and fail to prove acceptance to God. Listen, the best wisdom of man is temporary. Say that. It's temporary. It's passing away. It never solves anything permanently. And what Paul is saying, Paul is saying that these people cannot understand truth. It's foolishness to them. So there's a lesson. You know, we always have a lesson, right? And here's a lesson. True wisdom, say that, true wisdom is not humanly discovered. True wisdom is not humanly discovered. Friends, we can't discover God on our own. We can't. We can't, okay? Human reasoning or human wisdom cannot know God. Listen, friends, He has to reveal Himself to us. Not that said, he has to reveal himself to us. And you see, all, all the religions of the world are efforts on the part of man to discover God, to find God. But Christianity says, we can't find God. He found us. Write this down, Luke chapter 19, verse 10. Luke 19, chapter 19, verse 10 says, The Son of Man has come to what? Come on, you know this, right? To what? To seek and to save. The loss. Did you get that? How, how many times have we said, I found God? Huh? I found God. No, we didn't. God, listen, God wasn't lost. He found us. And thank God He came and found us. Can someone please say amen? So true wisdom is not humanly discovered. Let's move on to verse 7a. Verse 7a. Paul writes, No, we speak of God's secret wisdom. There it is, okay? Now, this wisdom doesn't have its origin in the in this age or in the rulers of this age. Rather, it has its origin. This is now its origin in God Himself. Got it? In God Himself. So He says, no, we speak of God's secret wisdom, right? That's what He says. So this secret wisdom is something that a person cannot penetrate by their own reasoning processes. It's a secret that can only be known as God, listen now, as God reveals it and makes it known. Friends, God, listen, God's wisdom is revelation from Himself. And a person must be aided, aided by God, if he or she is going to understand this wisdom. This secret wisdom, I love this, is handcrafted for the saved. I'm gonna say it again. This secret wisdom is handcrafted for the saved. Let's read on. A wisdom that has been hidden. So it's the hidden wisdom. Follow me here. It's the hidden wisdom that is now revealed by the gospel of Jesus Christ, which Paul preaches. It was hidden in the past ages, but now it's revealed to the people of God. And you know what I love? I love the fact that God used Paul in a special way to share the various secrets and very very mysteries that are related to the gospel. In fact, you can read Ephesians chapter 3 later on. It speaks of that, Ephesians chapter 3. Let's move on, verse 7b. In that God destined, speaking of salvation, okay, I'm gonna stop there, salvation, in other words, salvation was no afterthought in the mind of God. He planned it, friends, and He ordained it before the ages began. Listen, before time began, God had this amazing, amazing plan of salvation. He hid it. He hid it. And in Christ, in the New Testament, the secret, the mystery was revealed. Someone say amen. It was a plan set in motion before the world ever began. It's eternal and unchangeable. Let's read on. Let's read on for our glory before time begin for our glory before time begin listen the salvation plan in eternity wasn't only for god's glory for the glory of god but also for our glory now i want you to follow me here okay this glory includes two things first thing it includes our daily glorification listen now our daily glorification as we're as we are being change practically or we can even use the word progressively into Christ likeness. I'm going to say it again. It includes our daily glorification as we are being changed practically or progressively into Christ likeness. Got it? 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 18 says this. 2 Corinthians 3:18. Paul says, "And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory." This is what he says, "are being transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So first of all, it includes our daily glorification as we are being changed, daily changed, practically or progressively into Christ's likeness. We're becoming more and more like Christ. The second thing that it includes, it includes our future, our future glorification when we will be sinless forever in the presence of of Jesus Christ. Got it? It includes our future glorification when we will be sinless forever in the presence of Jesus Christ. If you got it, say you got it. Verse 8. None of the rulers of this age understood it. For if they had, they would have not have crucified the Lord of glory. So why did the rulers of this age fail to recognize God's wisdom? Why? Because it came in a mystery. It came in a sacred secret that could only be known by revelation. I want you to follow me here. These people who had, or sh- sh- should I say, who held, excuse me, who held positions of prominence, influence, and authority knew nothing, knew nothing of the plans of God or the saving grace of Jesus Christ. And even though they were uh, the epitome of success, these people, they lacked the matter of most importance. And that was the wisdom of God that leads to salvation. Let's look at the text again. They would not have crucified the Lord of glory. I'm going to read that again. They would have not crucified the Lord of glory. First of all, Paul cites their crucifixion of Jesus Christ as proof of their ignorance of the wisdom of God. Got it? Second of all, Paul's telling, or oh, he's telling the Corinthian believers and us that Jesus Christ, who was crucified, was definitely, get this now, a divine person. Got it? A divine person. Say the Lord of glory. Say that, the Lord of glory. It's certain proof that Paul regarded Jesus as God, the Lord of Glory. Don't you love that? Now, friends, after having argued the importance of the gospel, Paul now, what he does, he declares the glorious radiance it possesses and the gracious benefit it provides. So let's look at verse 9. Verse 9, he writes, However, as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love Him. Paul refers to Isaiah 64, 4 here. Isaiah 64, verse 4. Now, neither Isaiah 64, 4, neither that or the text, verse 9, is speaking of heaven. And you see, the context has nothing to do with heaven. Now, even though, friends, it's true that our minds cannot comprehend the greatness of heaven, this isn't isn't what Paul means here. What we need to do, we need to put this verse in its context. Because in the next verse, and we'll read that soon, it tells us that God has revealed them to us through his spirit. What Paul is saying here in verse 9, Paul says, God, what he's saying, God's design and plan of salvation is something no man could imagine or think of. It's something that's better than anything the world can offer. It's something that even confounds and and runs contrary to contemporary wisdom. Someone said it this way, No ordinary human eyes have seen the revelation of God in the person of Jesus Christ. No unregenerated ears have heard and received the truth in the gospel message of salvation. No unenlightened minds have perceived the mysteries of God for they are beyond human thinking. You see, church, those who see from an earthly perspective with human eyes have not seen all the blessings God has prepared for His children. God from the past ages prepared something amazing. Listen now, something amazing for the people that love Him. Amazing things for the people that love Him. But the people that don't love Him can't know what those things are. You see, the world, with all of its searching for truth, can't figure out what's going on. They can't comprehend salvation. You see, true wisdom that pierces the senses can only be received and understood through a special revelation from the Spirit of God. Are you getting this? And you see, Paul rightly applied Isaiah's words to support his case that only the spiritually mature can grasp the mysteries and the secrets of God, the blessings of salvation, and the blessings God has prepared for those who love him. Can I get an amen? Let's move on, verse 10. But God has revealed it to us by his, what, spirit. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. Now, if you're safe, say Amen. Come on, if, you, if you're saved, say amen. Listen, the indwelling Holy Spirit gives us understanding of the deep things of God, understanding of the truths of God in His Word, and appreciate their beauty and significance. You see, we can see amazing things in Scripture that are completely, that are, excuse me, completely, that are completely unnoticed by those who are spiritually blind. And I love what the psalmist wrote, Psalm 119, verse 18, Psalm chapter 119, verse 18, where he writes, Open my eyes that I may see, see wondrous things from your law, your word. Now there's a lesson. Here's a lesson. You ready? Here's a lesson. Spiritual insight is available available only to those with spiritual eyesight. I'm going to say it again. Write it down. Spiritual insight is available only to those with spiritual eyesight. One more time. Spiritual insight is available only to those with spiritual eyesight. If you're safe, say amen. The Spirit of God. Listen now. The Spirit of God enables us to understand the Word of God. Got it? The Word of God. So question... In your devotions, in your daily devotions, in your, your daily Bible reading, what has God revealed to you? What has God revealed to you? Right now, I'm, I'm going through the one-year Bible reading plan, and it's been amazing. And Right now, I'm in Numbers chapter 21. And man, as I'm reading His Word, it's just amazing. As, as I'm reading His Word, He's revealing deep spiritual insights to me. And I love that, friends. So scriptural insight is only available to us, to those of us with spiritual eyesight. So friends, what is God revealing to you through His Word? Okay? And I love this, friends, that I'm able to see wonderful spiritual insights in God's Word. That's why you need to be in the Word, right? Let's move on. Verse 11. For whom among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? In other words, no one knows what's going on inside a person's uh, uh, inside a person's mind except the person himself. Right? Uh, you guys, you know, you know me. You you may even observe me, but but you don't you don't know what I'm thinking. You can't read by mind. Only God can, and sometimes even my wife. Right? But but you can't read. My mind—you don't know what I'm thinking. And this is what Paul's saying here. He's saying, "For whom among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him?" Then he says this: in the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Except who? The Spirit of God. God, the Holy Spirit, is co-equal and co-eternal with God the Father. Right? We know that, right? He knows the deep things of God. God, he—he he knows everything about the character and the purposes and the motivations of God. Therefore he is permanently this is not permanently qualified to make the revelation of God known to man. And what he does, the spirit of God does, the holy spirit, he penetrates into the deep things of God because why? Because he is God. Therefore there is nothing beyond the spirit's knowledge. Which brings us right into point number 2. Point number 2 is this, the spirit of God The Spirit of God. We've seen the wisdom of God. Now we see the Spirit of God. Number two is the Spirit of God. If you're still with me, say amen. Look at verse 12. Look at verse 12. Paul writes, We have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we may understand, love this, what God has freely given us. I'm going to read that again. It's powerful. We have not received the Spirit of the world, say amen to that, but the Spirit who is from God that we may understand what God has freely given us. Now, if you're saved, say amen. Come on. If you're saved, say amen. Friends, we have been indwelt with, with a divine person. That's the Holy Spirit. And this is so that we might know the things. is now. Know the things that are freely given to us by God. Friends, it's the Holy Spirit. Say Holy Spirit. It's His ministry in us to teach us and to guide us in all spiritual truth. Now I want you to write this down. John chapter 14. John chapter 14 verses 16 through 17. John 14, 16 through 17. It says this, I will ask the Father and He will give you another counselor to be with you forever. The Spirit, Jesus says, the Spirit of truth. He says this, the world cannot accept Him because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. But do you know Him? Say amen. For He lives with you and will be in you. Write this down. John 16. John chapter 16, verses 13 through 15. John 16, verses 13 through 15. But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into what? All truth. There it is. He will not speak on His own. He will speak only what He hears. And He will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit, said the Spirit, will take from what is mine and make it known to you. I love that. That being said, the general work of God's Holy Spirit in regard to spiritual wisdom can be summarized with three words. Summarize with three words. Okay, follow me here. I just want you to write this down. The first word is revelation. Write that down, revelation. Revelation. This means to what? To reveal, to unveil, or to uncover something. So the Holy Spirit, in a sense, pulls back the curtain on God. It pulls back the curtain on God. And what He does, the, the Spirit of God reveals a true and living God. He opens our eyes to the glory of creation and helps you and I to see God in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. What He does, He helps us to begin to grasp the nature of God's holiness and the necessity of payment for sin. We are introduced through the Spirit of God. We are introduced in a new way to the nature of God's love. Say, Revelation The second word is this, inspiration. Write that down, inspiration. Revelation, inspiration. And this speaks of God's Holy Spirit working in and through the writers of the Bible so that their words were nothing less than the words of God. Now, follow me here. They were written with the human personality of the author, but God watched over the process so that the very words... That were spoken truly revealed God's character. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, Paul tells us, 2 Timothy 3:16, that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Got it? Inspiration of God. God breathed. And you know what? And because of the fact, because of that fact, Paul goes on to say, it was profitable. For teaching reproof, reproof, excuse me, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness. In 2 Peter chapter 1, write this down. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 20 through 21. 2 Peter 1, 20 through 21, Peter echoed this same belief. And he says, above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation, for prophecy never had its origin in the will of man. Did you get that? But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Got it? By the Holy Spirit. Listen, friends, inspiration is why we call the Bible the Word of God. God reveals Himself to us through His inspired Word. If you're getting it, say, I'm getting it. Revelation, say that. Inspiration, say that. The third word is illumination. Write that down. Illumination. Illumination. Follow me. The Holy Spirit not only has the ins- not, not only has inspired the Bible, in other words, written the textbook, the Holy Spirit is also there as a tutor. Say that. A tutor to help us understand the deep and difficult things of God's word. How, how many times have you know, have you read the Bible? And and, and you're reading the Bible, you're reading maybe a verse or or a passage, a portion of Scripture, and you're just like, what does that mean? What does it say? And all of a sudden, the light switch goes on. And then, suddenly, it becomes clear to you. Huh? Remember those times? Well, friends, that's the Spirit of God illuminating the Word of God to you. it's, it's, It's making the Word of God clear to you. Got it clear to you? It's it's, it's shedding light upon the Word of God so you'll understand the deep, difficult things of God's Word. Now there's a lesson. Here's a lesson. And the lesson is this. Be in the Word. Be in the Word. Spend time in the Word. Got it? Be in the Word. Friends, it is so important that you and I spend time, daily time, Quality time in the Word of God. We need to be in the Word so that we'll grow. We'll know God better. That we'll develop the mind of Christ. We'll see that later on in the passage. So that we will be transformed by the living Word. So we'll know the deep things of God. We need to be in the Word of God. And I understand that this time during this COVID-19 that we can't be at church together in fellowship. I get that. And I miss that deeply. I know you do too. But guess what? We have the amazing opportunity and privilege and honor to be in the Word of God and to fellowship with God. To fellowship with God so that when we come back together, our fellowship will be that much stronger. Can I get an amen? So be in the Word of God. Verse 13, if you're still with me, say Amen. Paul writes, this is what we speak. Not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit. Friends, I want to stop. This reveals a distinguishable difference in the believer and in the non-believer. You see, as as believers, listen, listen. As believers, we have a superior teacher, say, say that, superior teacher, that reveals divine truth to us. It's the Holy Spirit. And because we have the Holy Spirit, we see things through the lens of Scripture, viewing life from a spiritual perspective. So Paul says, this is what we speak, not in words taught to us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit. Then he goes on to say this, expressing or explaining spiritual truths in spiritual words. This has the idea of, of taking spiritual truths we learn from Scripture through the Holy Spirit putting those truths together and proclaiming them to others. it rightly divi- it's, it's, it's rightly dividing, listen now, the word of God, the word of truth, and sharing the wisdom received of God with others. And that's what I do every Sunday. That's what Pastor Joey does when he teaches. Diane does when she, when she teaches. Brother Gil does when he teaches. Julian does when he teaches. It's proclaiming truths to others. Amen? And you have that Listen, and you have that same privilege and honor to do the same with others. You you have the honor and the privilege to know the scriptures being revealed to you so you can proclaim them and share them with with others. Verse 14, the man without the spirit, so that's speaking of the natural person, the the unsaved person, got it? The man without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God. God. For they are foolishness to him, and cannot understand them. Why? Because they are spiritually discerned. Listen, the natural person—say, say, say—natural say person is the Greek word sokikos sokikos from which we get the English word soul. Soul. Follow me here. A, a soulish person is a person as he or she is born, as as he or she is by nature. Follow me here. Every person born into this world without exception is a soulish man, a soulish woman. And a soulish natural person is a person dominated and influenced and energized by the human soul. Therefore, stay with me now, there is no spiritual capacity in them. They're living only to promote and and to please the lusts of the flesh. Their their goals in life are centered on personal success, wealth, power, prestige, or anything else that builds their ego. They were born physically, but not spiritually. Therefore, they don't have the the capability nor the, 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 the capacity of receiving God's revelation of truth for what it is. They cannot, listen now, receive or welcome the truths of God and God's word and and God's wisdom. They are foolishness to them. They rebel against all that is holy, all that is godly. They have no desire for the things of God. And by the way, friends, (laughs) that pretty much describes us before we got saved, right? Right? It describes us before we got saved. And you see what Paul is saying here, is that the natural soulless person Natural person has never risen above that which they naturally are, which implies the absence of spiritual discernment, the absence of spiritual discernment. In other words, those who do not have the Holy Spirit cannot examine and discern spiritual truths. Only those who have the Spirit of God living inside of them are able to examine and discern spiritual truths. So there's a lesson. And here's the lesson. Don't expect the natural person to understand your decision to follow Jesus Christ. I'm going to say that again. Don't expect the natural person to understand your decision to follow Jesus Christ. In fact, friends, whenever you, you know you talk to someone who's who's the natural person, the natural man or woman, and and you're and you're trying to share with them why you follow Jesus Christ, you know they're like, what? You know they, they don't get it. It's it's foolishness to them. They even think you're crazy or moronic, right? So don't expect them to to understand your 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 your, your passion and your desire and in your decision to follow Jesus Christ. Okay? Verse 15. Verse 15. Paul writes, the spiritual man. So what Paul does here, Paul contrasts the the soulish, natural person, which is a non-believer, with the spiritual person, which is a believer. See, the spiritual person, if you're still with me now, is indwelt with and dominated by the Holy Spirit who walks in dependence dependence upon the Holy Spirit. So let's, let's, let's read on here. The spiritual man makes judgments about all things. Let's read that all together here. The spiritual man makes judgments about all things. In other words, a spiritual man or person judges, or we can use the words appraises, the words appraises, examines, discerns, evaluates, scrutinizes all things. So so this begs the question, what are the all things? I'm glad you asked, right? What are the all things? So I want you to follow me here. They are what God has prepared for those who love Him. That's in verse 9. They are the deep things of God and what God has freely given us. That's in verse 10. They are the things that come from the Spirit of God. That's in verse 14. Got it? So the all things refer to the body of Christian truth called the gospel revealed by God and put down in the Bible. Only the Christian can discern and evaluate the Bible correctly because he or she has the indwelling of what? The Holy Spirit. Let's read on. But he himself is not subject to any man's judgment. I'm going to read that again. For he, but but he himself, excuse me, is not subject to any man's judgment. Let's, let's read this whole this whole verse, verse fifteen, together again. Okay, the spiritual man makes judgments about all things. Okay, got it. But he himself is not subject to any man's judgment. Do you get that judgment? So what Paul is saying is that the spiritual person, the saved person cannot be correctly examined nor investigated by those who do not have the Holy Spirit. In other words, friends, no natural person is equipped to judge the spiritual person. You got it? Because the natural person doesn't understand spiritual things. Got it? So, number one was this, the wisdom of God. Number two, the Spirit of God. Point number three is the mind of Christ. Say that. The mind of Christ. If you're still with me, say amen. I'm loving this. The mind of Christ. Write that down. The mind of Christ. Verse 16. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? So here what Paul's doing, Paul's quoting Isaiah chapter 40, verse 13. Isaiah 40, 13. He quotes that. That's a quotation of that. Then he writes this. But we, speaking of believers, have the mind of Christ. How amazing is that? But We have the mind of Christ. Now, this doesn't mean that we can think on God's ultimate level and instruct Him or start playing God in the lives of other people, okay? What it means is that we have a, a new capacity to think and to act and to, to talk more and more like Christ Himself, to, to be operating on the deep things of God, to see life more and more from God's perspective. This means that the Holy Spirit, through the Word of God, helps us think, think as Jesus thinks, and to look at life from our Savior's point of view, having His values and and having His desires in mind. It means to, to think God's thoughts, to think God's thoughts, okay, and not think as the world thinks, to think God's thoughts and not think as the world thinks. You see, there's a vast difference, friends, between the natural person and the spiritual person, between the non-saved and the saved. I want you to follow me here. The natural person has been born twice. They've been born physically and spiritually, the spiritual person. And that person is in a living, growing, vibrant, personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And as a result, as a result of that, This person has the God-given, love this, the God-given capacity to live differently than the world. Because of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in the life of the spiritual person, that person is able to comprehend the spiritual things of God, and it tells in the way that person lives their lives. Lives their life. The spiritual person lives differently than the natural person. You see, the spiritual person lives supernaturally. The natural person lives naturally. Are you guys with me? You know, the awesome thing, the awesome thing about having the mind of Christ is that in the worst, darkest moments of life, when life makes just absolutely no sense, we have the hope and the faith to not give up. To not give up. To know that it's all going to work out. It's, it's, it's as, as crazy as life seems, as, as, as bleak as life looks, as crazy as the circumstances in our life are, friends. We know that's all, one day it's all going to work out. And in the end, we will see the big picture. Amen? The big picture. And you see, this explains the fundamental difference, the fundamental difference, excuse me, difference between believers and non-believers. Non-believers. So there's a lesson in here. Here's a lesson. The lesson is this. Spend time with Jesus. Say that. Spend time with Jesus. we got to spend time with Jesus. Right? To have the mind of Christ, we need to spend intimate time with Christ. I'm going to say it again. To spend, listen, listen. To have the mind of Christ, we need to spend intimate, intimate time with Christ. You see, we tend to become like those whom we spend the most time with. Isn't it true? Right? If you ever see a a, a couple who's been married for many, many years, you will notice that they start looking like each other, start uh, talking like each other. They start thinking like each other. They almost have the same thoughts. Why? Because they spent many years together. It's the same Thing with Christ, when you spend time and time and time and time, intimate time with Christ, you have the mind of Christ. You have the mind of Christ. We need to spend consistent time with Him. Well, how do you do that? Well, friends, through prayer. Every day you should be on your face in prayer with Christ connecting with Him, speaking to Him, loving Him, and allowing Him to speak to you through prayer, through worship, through worship. Got it? Do worship. Listen, I know I understand right now we cannot fellowship together, but we can worship. We can worship. And that's how. You grow in your relationship with Christ. As you worship Him, you begin to magnify Him. and He begins to speak to you and begins to minister to you. Through prayer, through worship, and how about this? Through meditating on His Word, studying His Word, knowing what Jesus Christ is like. When you bury your face in His Word, His love letter, the more time you spend in the Word, the more you will develop the mind of of Christ. Spend time, with Jesus. So as we close, as we wrap this up, I want to close with this: from from eternity, God predestined this amazing plan of salvation. Right, right, and now that He has revealed it to us, listen now. It's not meant to be kept hidden. So God intends that those of us who have received His amazing plan of salvation should share it with anyone we meet. Got it? Got it? Now that you got it, you need to share it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for revealing to us, your amazing plan of salvation. And Father, it's better than anything the world can offer. And thank you, Lord, for your Son who died for us, for your Holy Spirit who indwells us and and guides us, and for your Word that, that transforms us. I thank you, Lord, and I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And someone please say amen? Perhaps there's someone who's listening right now and you've never given, surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. And, and during this time of being in the Word, you you were feeling a tug at your heart. That was God calling you, using His Spirit to call you to Himself. And if you felt that... In, and you're saying, you know what, Pastor Arnold, I, I, I want Jesus. I want this, this wonderful salvation that, you're, that, you're, that you spoke of this morning through the Word of God. And if that's you, okay, that's you. I want you just to bow your head and close your eyes. And, and just, just say this prayer with me, okay? Dear Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner. And I need you to come into my life. I invite you to to come into my life, to save me, to to cleanse me, and and to change me. And so, Father, I I confess with my mouth that that, that you, Jesus, I confess with my mouth that you are Lord, and I believe within my heart that God raised you from the dead. Thank you, Jesus, for, for, for receiving me today. I am saved I am sealed, sanctified, satisfied, justified, purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. I am born again. Thank you, Jesus, for receiving me. And from this day forth, I will serve you faithfully until you call me home. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Now, if you said that prayer to follow Jesus, to be saved, we would love to hear from you. And if that's you, you can email us at contact at cryout.org. Again, that's at contact at cryout.org. Friends, have a wonderful Valentine's Day, a wonderful Sunday. Love you, blessings, and miss you. And uh, we just pray that uh, God will continue to pour His Spirit upon you and that you would spend time uh, in prayer, in His Word, and in worship. Love you all. See you next week.